Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Faked. We are over the 100 episode hump there, so I'm glad you guys have been with me for 100 plus episodes. If you're new to these series, check out all of the other 100 episodes, which I can say that now, and I'm loving it. So, Without further ado, let's get into it. This one, this episode is all about jobs and specifically side hustles. We're going to talk about um, fake side hustles because that's huge now. It is so big because, uh, and we'll talk about it uh, a little more in detail as to why we need them, but everyone always thinks it's because the, uh, which the dollar has lost, I mean, value. If you look at from like the 50s to now, it definitely has not translated well, but there are so many things that we buy now that they weren't buying then. I mean, we're talking, all of us have phones, all of us have multiple subscriptions, all of us have more food, uh, you know, more uh, prepackaged food, which costs a little more for the convenience. You've got cars, multiple cars, you've got small boats, you know, you've got all these things that you have to pay for now. And with that, you know, you're going to have to get some sort of side hustle or side way to make to wake, make some money on the side. You know, just there's plenty of good ones out there, too, which I don't want this to come across like there's no possible way. Because there's plenty of ways to make money. Absolutely. But you're going to have to be a little more unique than going online, looking up, how do I make money? Because chances are, if somebody is putting that stuff out there... They're either selling you a course for them to make money off of, or it just is so diluted that it's, for one, lame, uh, for two, it doesn't make a lot of money, and then people don't trust that particular thing because they keep getting hit with uh, pitches and stuff like that. So let's, in juxtaposition to what we will be talking about, scams uh, or just sketchy side hustles, I want to talk about some of the worst jobs in history. So people have always had kind of jobs, whether it was by their own means, you know, they just went out and did their job. Uh, Nobody, there was like a boss, but there was basically the looming boss, I'm throwing up the air quotes, of dying because you didn't have money. So it was very much job-like. You just did not have HR HR departments. You didn't have all that stuff. So let's look up some of the worst jobs in history. And we're not talking about Mike Rowe worst jobs. We're talking like these are the crappiest jobs in history. So number one would be groom of the stool. So implemented during the reign of Henry the 12th, I believe, and only abolished in 1901 by Edward, um, by the same, oh, by Edward the 12th. Okay. The role of groom of the stool required the holder to take the monarch to the toilet. Check whenever, uh, so they would check on them and then clean the regal bottom afterwards. So interesting. So they had the groom of the stool. So yeah, you'd be taking somebody to the crapper there. Um, I don't know how fought for that position was, but it seems to be, I don't know, man. I feel like it. it's just bad for both parts. I couldn't imagine. I mean, it's bad enough when I go into a restaurant 
or a bar in a big city and there's some guy in there like giving you things and I just find that to be so uncomfortable um and I'm pretty like hard to make uncomfortable but it's just like what do I say to you what do I do here I don't know it's weird so I can only imagine somebody having to go in there with the full intent of watching over somebody while they do the duty and then having to clean them afterwards I mean I do that to my children but um Geez, it's only because they can't do it themselves. It'd be hard to do that. All right, so number two is whipping boy. So there is doubt about whether this was a real thing or not, but um, some stories tell of boys who were educated with princes or child kings and received the punishments earned by their betters. So reputably, reputably, um, or uh, reputedly, sorry, the sons of noblemen, a whipping boy would be beaten because a tutor could not hit a prince or monarch. So basically somebody was taking the whippings for somebody else's bad doing. Oh boy, that's terrible. All right, some of these side hustles we're going to talk about are looking pretty good. So number three is the tosher. So T-O-S-H-E-R, tosher, uh, or a tosh is a slang term for junk or rubbish uh, derived from the word tosher. So present in Victorian London, uh, they made a living trawling through sewers in search of anything valuable that had been lost. So you kind of had to get down in the terribleness in order to find maybe some gold or earrings um, but being a tosher was illegal and involved spending all day ankle deep in sewage but some made a reasonable living apparently um, so I guess that uh, at least you could be making money out of that it doesn't seem like the other ones there was any money to be had whipping boy I don't know number uh, number four so pure finder so in the 18th and 19th century tanneries sought the best way to dry leather uh, for book bindings. So their solution spawned a whole new career path. The pure that tannery sought was dog feces. So a pure finder's job was to collect as much dog doo-doo as possible. So once uh, people realized there was gold in this, competition became fierce for dog mess. And uh, wow. So they used to put that on book, old book covers. So don't go sniffing them. Number five is a wool fuller. So during the Middle Ages, wool became the center of England's economy. So by 1300, there were probably 15 million sheep in England, outnumbering humans three to one. So after its initial loose weave, the wool needed to be cleaned and stripped of grease. And that's where the fuller came in. So the job of a wool fuller, say that three times fast, required marching on the spot in a vat all day. So that was boring and tiring, but the perfect liquid to remove dirt and grease and whiten the wool was stale human urine. So added to the trampling all day, your feet were soaked in old pee. Um, and that was the cost of the finest cloth in Europe. How did that smell good after that? Oh, God. I just say, man, if you go back in the day, you know, there's definitely some like romanticizing to going back and... The 13th century or 12th century. Oh my God, everything would just smell. All right, number six, sin eater. Sin eater. So the practice of sin eating was the most common in Wales and Welsh border during the England times, um, or I guess the border region of England. Though there were similar traditions across Europe, it usually involved eating a piece of bread placed on the chest of a recently deceased person. Say so. However, in doing this, the sin eater took on the sins of the departed. It it erased this diseased 
deceased soul, but uh, some sin eaters risked of arriving at the pearly gates weighed down by the sins of hundreds of others. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, number seven is the plague bearer. So in 1665, the plague caused 69,000 deaths in London. Government directives required nighttime collections and burial of victims. Parishes hired plague bearers who toured the streets at night collecting the dead and depositing them in mass graves and churchyards. They spent their nights around plague victims and rotting corpses, risking their lives. And their days were spent in the churchyard surrounded by those same bodies because they were required to live there to avoid infecting others. My question is, what do these people even get like paid? They're literally risking their entire life. Okay, number eight, lime burners. Burners. So lime has many uses. Crushed and heated to about 800 degrees for several days, it produced quicklime, which is used for tanning and dyeing. Um, soaked quicklime in water created slacked lime, which was useful in mortar and whitewash. So besides the heat, a lime burner's job was terrifyingly dangerous. Quicklime is caustic, highly unstable, and reacts violently to water. It can spit steam and even explode. So it was so dangerous, it was sometimes used as a weapon thrown at an enemy to cause painful burning in the eyes, mouth, or anywhere it came in contact with sweat. All right, so number nine is petardier. Um, So the word petard, uh, P-E-T-A-R-D, is derived from the French petir, meaning to fart. So Petards were often bell-shaped metal devices filled with gunpowder and fixed to a wooden base. So the base was attached to the wall or gate of a besieged castle, and the explosion focused to focused to cause maximum damage. So I don't know if it's I'm saying that right. Petardiers operated these huge, dangerous, and unstable devices. They were as likely to kill themselves as to damage the enemy castle. So the phrase, hoist by your own petard, meaning to be foiled by your own plan, uh, comes from the prevalence of petards, petardiers uh, being blown up by their own bombs. Hmm. All right, number 10, and this is the last on the list, is the gong farmer. So before modern drainage, the bodily waste of increasingly urban Populations was a problem. So London, like many cities, provide houses of easement or public toilets. But in the late 14th century, there were 16 for a population population of 30,000 people. There was only 16 of them. So germ theory may not have been around, but the smell certainly was. And I guess the gong father um, would work at night. And they're also called nightmen. Were tasked with digging out and taking away all the human waste in cesspits. They were paid... Per ton, so at least we know that they were paid. Um, they spent all night in deep holes up to their waist or neck or in human excrement. And some obviously died of diseases or suffocated. For those who lived, it was hardly a dream job. Um, oh my gosh. Well, guys, so that was some of the worst jobs in history. But we're going to talk about some sketchy side hustles that people probably are... You've heard about either on TikTok. And, you know, forewarning, anytime you're on something like TikTok, and you see like somebody saying, stop what you're doing. I've got a way to get out of the matrix. I've got something that I'm netting $10,000 a month on. You have to realize, or not even a month, a week or something like that, or I'm making $8,000 a day. They're not, for one. They're not doing that. Um, At best, maybe they're selling 
$8,000 worth of stuff, but they're not talking about all of the fees, all of the, like what the net profit is. And it's definitely not 8000 because trust me, anybody making 8000 a week is not going to tell you how to do that. They don't want any competition. Um, absolutely not. So let's talk about some of the most popular side hustles that people get into. So number one is paid, uh, paid freelancing platforms or gigs. So like Upwork. So when you're kind of scouring the internet, people have been putting this stuff up on these websites that promote jobs. Uh, you know, a lot of these have gotten privy to them and have been deleting them, but they just can't delete them fast enough. So basically there's a bunch of scammers out there that are lurking around uh, freelancing websites uh, just to trick people into doing basically unpaid work or divulging uh, personal information. So you might be compelled to jump because they look good, um, but the usual general, I guess the general rule is to just stick to the legit freelancing sites. I know it's really competitive and you may have to show a lot of work in order to be hired for these freelancing, but there, there's definitely money in freelancing. People have been doing that forever, copywriting, all this stuff. They've been doing it forever. I mean, and now with AI, it's even more. Uh, ChatGPT might even be getting rid of what essentially copywriting, copywriting or freelancing work is, but there are so many scams when you're talking about doing freelancing daily stuff because they they should never ever ever um, ask you to require upfront investments several days of unpaid sample work or any confidential data so that should be a huge giveaway so don't do that don't do that okay paid freelancing platforms or gigs check them out but make sure they're legit so number two um, is drop shipping so if anybody has ever had any like interest in e-commerce You've definitely heard of dropshipping, and if you've ever been on TikTok, it's one of the biggest things that people are like, I make $8,000 a freaking day doing nothing. It's all passive income. But for one, if you know anything about e-commerce, it's not passive. By no means is it. You constantly have to be introducing new pros, pro, uh, products. Sorry, You constantly have to be doing marketing. You have to get ahead, but everybody knows that you know, when you're looking at it from an outside perspective, you know dropshipping just doesn't work um, because a generic Shopify store with random items from like AliExpress will not make you thousands a month. I don't care if you said, well, this one person did. Nope, they didn't. That's called scamming and that's called marketing. They're marketing some sort of guru course that's going to get you to make nothing, but they're going to make you spend money. So... Uh, just think about it. Here we go. Think about dropshipping basically from a customer's point of view. If you saw an e-commerce site, which I'm sure you're not buying um, from these like sites, so that should just be a big red flag is that stuff isn't – you have to find that stuff and it takes a while. So they're aggressively marketing random generic products that take weeks to deliver. Would you feel inclined to buy that? The answer is probably not. I mean you can do stuff on Amazon – but uh, that is a really, really, really clouded market. People pay to be the top, but you need several skills to succeed in e-commerce. That means copywriting, marketing, graphic designing, accounting, and the product sourcing alone will not create a profitable store because you got to get people there. And again, everybody else is kind of doing it too. So next up um, is paid surveys. So answering paid surveys is widely recommended as a side hustle 
because it mostly has low barriers to entry. Anybody can do it, uh, but as long as you have a mobile phone and internet access, you can just start earning money, like on Swag Bunks, or Swag Bucks, Survey Junkie, and Branded Surveys. So legit get to pay two apps, pay users for answering surveys, but the earnings won't amount too much. So try signing up for them, okay? So even the most widely known sites pay around 50, 50 cents to $1 per 15 to 30 minute survey. I mean, you do the math. If you can automate it, that's great. But again, 15 to 30 minutes for a 50 cents to a dollar. I mean, at most, you're getting paid $2 an hour. Uh, or maybe, I guess at most, $4 an hour uh, if you can do those 15-minute surveys. So it's not good. Um, and there's also a limited amount of surveys you can actually do. So you'll average about $1 to $5 a day, uh, which is not good. It's ter- That's so bad. So number four, crypto trading or investing. So the cryptocurrency market has significantly grown. Okay, um, sector revenues about $43.5 billion, uh, so further advancing the mass adoption of crypto. So it is a good way to get your position into the market. But that being said, buying crypto without like proper research will always yield negligible results. So even if you are riding the market correctly, it's not going to be such big gains, at least consistently. They're going to be able to just do it. And also, there's a bunch of crypto scams, the pump and dump. If you want to look at a previous episode of mine, I have one about fake crypto and how to tell if one is fake. Uh, because you don't want to invest in something hoping that it's going to skyrocket to the moon and then just lose it all and do that time and time again because you believe in a project that you aren't even 100% aware of. Most people don't even know who makes these things. And a lot of the time, they are trending and they are gone. Okay, so number five is becoming an Instacart Instacart shopper. I don't know why I said that with Boston accent. An Instacart shopper. All right, so an Instacart shopper uh, might seem like a pretty good deal. Uh, You're working on your own time. You're working with food. You're helping people out. So, and it also has a less rigid application process compared to like Uber Eats, and it pays its shopper via direct deposit weekly. So, despite those advantages. You shouldn't really blindly sign up for the app, okay? Its shoppers likely don't even make that much. So Instacart has a growing user base. Uh, Food delivery apps like Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Postmates receive significantly more orders. So there's more work to go around uh, with the drivers. And even if Instacart suddenly triples in sizes, uh, or in size, shoppers can only fulfill a handful of orders in one workday. It takes much more time to deliver groceries than food. Some require, uh, some requests will even require you to do the shopping yourself, which could take at least 30 to 40 minutes. So there are a bunch of other options, but um, and you can even look up the top paying food delivery apps to kind of get a little more into it. But it doesn't seem like Instacart people make a lot of money, especially for how long it takes. And you can really only just do a couple in an hour, maybe even just one. Um, so... Another one is Forex trading, and this is something that I didn't know about. So it's most foreign exchange or Forex markets are deregulated. So although central banks monitor their country's respective markets, no centralized institution controls global transactions. So securities and exchange commissions worldwide have limited jurisdiction. So the lack of regulation makes it way more accessible and lucrative for traders, especially since transactions only involve broker fees. So 
Making a profit isn't as easy as a lot of these gurus who say Forex trading is the way to go. So the Forex market displays volatile prices that show exponential fluctuations daily. So just one bad trade um, could drain your entire investment. And there's really no safeguarding against it. So as a profession, Forex trading is not illicit. I mean, it, it can work. Uh, you can still look into the Forex markets, but beware of unscrumptious, uh, which I love saying that, individuals that take advantage of newbies. So only really trust the ver verified brokers and legit companies will never sell you baseline Forex signals offer to make your trades or guarantee profits. That's a huge red flag. Anytime anybody ever guarantees profits on anything, that's a big no-no. So next up, we're going to look, talk about Airbnb rental arbitrage. I've started to see a little more of this. This was something I was very unfamiliar with to start. So Airbnb rental air arbitrage involves listing subleased units on Airbnb. So the idea is to make money as an Airbnb host without actually owning any properties. So you minimize your startup capital and you could probably start with just a few hundred bucks. Okay, so at, although the barriers are low, uh, just because you're basically renting out this place um, and then re-renting it out to somebody else. Um, there's several dangerous risks, though. So most gurus oversimplify the process. Go figure. So even if you don't have to purchase the property, you'll still have to pay rent, which often comes with a lengthy contract. So let's say you have a two-year sublease agreement. Okay, Your credit rating will plummet if your venture fails and you default on your monthly dues. In, this worst, in the worst case, you can't rent properties for a while. So Airbnb rental arbitrage isn't even like widely accepted yet, but renting out your apartment on Airbnb has several pros and cons. So expect many hesitant landlords to reject your subleasing proposal. So it might be just hard to even do to begin with. Um, but uh, I, I guess it is profitable. You just have to be really careful about it. So that is basically the most of them. I'm going to go to another article here that somebody said actually some of the things that have worked for them they quit their sixty thousand dollar a year um job to do a lot of these things so these are some viable options you know i don't want to just give you the negative ones i want to give you viable but these again you know you need to always do your own research on them and you really need to just do things um that work for your skill set that's huge everybody's got some skills you just might need to find what it is you know you have one whether that's talking to people, whether that is uh, power washing, whether that is customer service, there's always something to do. And uh, the beauty of these is there's not much competition because these can work in any city. So number one, babysitting. You can get about $350 a week, not too bad. Uh, especially if you're in, you know, we're coming into summertime and a lot of school kids may want summer jobs that they, and they maybe they want, don't want to go into the market. They want to just make their own way. So it's funny, I was actually walking the other day and this guy comes up to me. Well, it didn't really come up to me. I was pushing my children and he goes, hey, do you want your, I mean, again, I'm walking by his house. Hey, do you need any power washing done? I said, oh, no, you know, definitely not. I don't need any, uh, we have a power washing shoot. Oh, okay, all right, bye. I was just thinking, I'm like, man, that is such a bad sales pitch. Because even if I have one, if he had a sales pitch of, hey, I can do it anytime, um, I can guarantee that it's going to look clean. I, or like, I can have a clean guarantee. Uh, we live in the same neighborhood, so I can make sure I'm doing it while you're gone so you don't have to move your cars and stuff like that. 
there's definitely a way to do that. So rethinking your pitch on a lot of things definitely could get you a job. Because, um, I mean, you can pay 150 for a easy power wash. No problem. I think a lot of people would do that. All right, so number two is personal assistant. Um, so this pay is about 25 an hour. So if you want to do, like if you see busy people or um, you can cold call business owners and say, hey, I'd love to be your personal assistant. Uh, it's 25 an hour. I can guarantee, if you can guarantee me eight, six hours a day, I can make sure to get everything done for you um, and kind of eliminate some of your hustle and bustle throughout the day. So it's like paying for electric bills, setting up energy, talking promotional junk, pickup dry cleaning, all that kind of stuff. It's fun. I mean, I think it'd be fun. I could probably do with one myself. All right. So next is decluttering. If you find yourself to be a very clean person, I think you could just set up a small LLC, have a good marketing pitch, put some signs and you know, on the thing, Hey, do you want decluttered? Is your house a mess? Uh, for 500 bucks for a one bedroom apartment, I can totally make this all organized and clean and, you know, basically do a feng shui approach to where it's just going to be easier for you to function at your house and you're going to live better because of it. Okay. So next is dog sitting, which is insane that they're saying 350 a week for babysitting and 500 a week for dog sitting. But I guess this is probably more luxury like New York city. Um, let's see, uh, cookie baker, I guess is another one. Uh, this is, again, this is like a personal thing. So I don't think everybody can just get into cookie baking. That was 1325 an hour, but it was in West Hollywood. So I don't know about that one. Um, and then copywriting we talked about copywriting is just basically doing like cold pitch emails. You're writing stuff for people, but again, most of these, when you're talking about copywriting, is going to be replaced by, um, they're just going to be replaced by ChatGPT and stuff like that. Uh, I don't see how it couldn't be. <laughs> it's so easy to do. It's colder, for sure, but people don't really care. You know, if you want emails written or you want uh, marketing stuff written for people, they're just going to do it. You know, they're going to do it through ChatGPT, and it's going to be done, and people, I think, are going to be none the wiser. So, guys, I appreciate you guys listening to this. This was a good one. I think um, coming into summer, this was super applicable. And again, uh, if you guys aren't following me on TikTok, definitely follow me on there. I do a lot of interesting stuff on the side. And remember, guys, with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.